great friend of our ministry, got a dynamic testimony. He told some of you this morning, go ahead and Google it and find it. And he may talk about it a little bit tonight, but I'm just going to cut him loose. Hey, don't forget, if you, if you care anything about prayer and fasting, go sign this sheet. I just really feel strongly about that. Lord spoke to me over the weekend that we should have 31 days of prayer and fasting from Palm Sunday to National Day of Prayer coming up the first Thursday of May. Sign up. Find your spot. I don't care if it's every Monday, whatever, whenever, however you want to do it. Fast and pray and seek the face of God and ask him to turn things things around. Would you do that for me? Yes. Hallelujah. With no further ado, I'm going to cut Mickey loose. Would you welcome Mickey Robinson to Church Triumphant tonight? I have a friend of mine. How many know who Winky Prattney is? Okay. Winky, how many heard about the story in Houston, Texas, where in the middle of the, where the Holy Spirit came and split a plexiglass uh, pulpit, like down the middle, and, and that uh, scientists said it would take five or 50,000 PSIs or pounds per square inch to split that? I mean, you'd have to like hit it with something that hard to split it, and it would, nothing hit it. Just the power of the Holy Ghost hit the thing, and it split in half. And everybody's trying to hear, wow, the power of God and all that. You know, they're talking about that. And uh, Winky says, he says, what God was saying is he was breaking the separation between the clergy and the laity. That there is no, that we're just one people, you know. And we only have one priest. Jesus is our high priest, the apostle of our confession. And we're all, if you're a believer, you realize that you're kings and priests. And the priests are the believer. And I kind of really like that. So I, but I, will, I won't be offended. So he, doesn't, he won't even use the pulpit anymore. He'll just get a music stand. He just says, I don't want, I don't want nothing blown up around me. So he says, so just ignore this. And, uh, and Lord, just be, go easy on me, okay? I am uh, so glad to be here tonight. And uh, glad to be here this morning. I was glad to be here yesterday. We had a kind of a day off, which was, was really a blessing. And we had a wonderful time of prayer. Uh, at some time. <laughs> you know that we're living in very special times, very unusual times. And uh, before we get into that, I do want to talk about a few things. Well, just stand up real quick and tell about the CD. We just finished this CD. We don't even have the credits in it. Just, just tell them what you think of it. It's called, it's called Words in the Wind. Well, that's, thank you. Okay, he's good. She didn't get past the fourth part yet, so I don't have to talk about that one. You can just believe her. Okay, this is a, there's, there's only a couple of these, and these are actually out of print, and how many think this would be appropriate? America and the Threshold of des- Destiny, Replacing Hopelessness and Fear with Faith in America's Future. But my dear friend, Francis Frenchman, I, listen, we could look at the troubles, and we could get freaked out, or we could look to God and cry out. So there's only a couple of these out there, but I, this is instead of like praying and praying judgment, we need to have, ask God for mercy that triumphs over judgment. How many would prefer that? Okay, okay, okay. That's, and I got several other books by Francis, and he's a good friend of mine. His name is Frangipan. It's not Frangipan or Frying Pan or Orangutan. Some people get confused. They can't. It's an easy name to pronounce once you've done it once. You know. This uh, CD by our friend Julie True, this is the one on healing. It's about healing. It's beautiful music with spontaneous scriptures and words. And like I said, some, a whole file of testimonies about it. Somebody got it in the mail, and while they're opening the cellophane, they got healed. So, I mean, it's pretty potent. So, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty good. That'll be back out on the table. There's only a few of these left, too. Uh, this is one I really recommend. It's the power and the potential of spiritual impartation. I'm going to talk just a little bit about that tonight, but I'm, I'm kind of going, really pray for me because... 
I don't know how I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I, I look like, my brain looks like these birds that are on the picture here. I've got so much flying around in there. This one is discerning and applying prophetic ministry. Once the prophetic word comes, that just doesn't mean it's guaranteed to happen. There's revelation, interpretation, and application. And it doesn't get accomplished until what God wanted to happen is fulfilled. Remember, it says that it is the rain and the snow falls to the ground and covers the earth and causes seed to bring forth. So my word will not go forth from me and return void, or some translation says empty, until it's accomplished its purpose. God's been waiting. Sometimes it's a thousand years until somebody fulfills what God wants. I believe we're in a time of compression where God is going to fulfill all of the prophetic on earth. That's why there's such an acceleration of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things you didn't get to yet. So you can go a little farther if you can handle it, okay? That we need to know how to apply what God's saying. We didn't just get all excited. Well, God spoke to me. That's wonderful. Now you're stuck with it. Once you get revelation, then what are you going to do with it? Well, you've got to interpret it correctly, and then you've got to figure out what does he want me to do with it? How does it apply? And what, see, it applies normally to change people's lives on earth that need their lives changed. Do you think maybe there's some people like that we can think of? Do you think there's maybe some... And I was just on the phone with a wonderful friend from Nashville whose husband has a very big platform. And we said, we have got to, and she's talking about, we're going to meet with the public schools, and we're going to public schools, and we are going to just, like I said this morning, love the hell out of them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There are schools. We pay taxes for them, and we can't go in there and tell the truth. We can talk about any lie you want to talk about. You can talk about any filthy song you want to talk about. You can talk, every public school in the library has got Harry Potter. And don't tell me that witchcraft's not a religion. The only thing that's banned is the name of Jesus, the Bible, and a live Christian. That's the only thing that's censored. And we ought to get the guts enough to take it back. We need to become revolutionary. I know I'm going to get busted for this, but when I'm on TV, just wave at me. (laughs) Get free advertising. This one's on encouragement, and it's about prophetic and motivation. See, the real, true prophetic shouldn't tell you how rotten you are. How many, would, would, how many don't like those kind of cockroach prophecies? They only come out when it's dark, you know? <laughs> I mean, so many people, I think they need, a, they need help, you know? That's why the prophetic has to be interpreted, has to be discerned. Judged is, is kind of, it's not up, down. It's like, what's God really saying? So I've got stuff out there all in the prophetic. I've got a whole... Ten-part series. I got lots of stuff out there. Anyway, it's out there. Then I have this is the book with my whole testimony. How many? I asked this morning. How many have never heard my testimony? Don't know who I am. Raise your hand. Nice to meet you too. My name is Mickey Robinson. This is a book that has the whole story in it. I, I cannot share my testimony except for the fact that I was in an airplane crash. Do you believe me? Take a look. Okay. <laughs> I, I got, you got hurt really horribly. You know, brain injury, blind, paralyzed, and all kinds of complications. Last year, I was introduced somewhere. So we have Mickey Robinson here, and he was in a really bad airplane crash. How many of you got a phone call from a friend who was in a good one? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, almost wonderful thing happened to me. I was in a most wonderful airplane crash. <laughs> Made my life. It was so pleasant. No, yeah. even the ones people get out of are, are nerve-wracking at the very least. You know, yeah. I was in a bad one. He was in a really bad airplane crash. Yes. That's an understatement, okay? That's an understatement. I was trapped inside, soaked with gasoline. My 
had a head injury, I was blinded, and it was on fire from head to toe, and they, they tried all the miracles they could try with medicine, and they gave up and just let me die. And then God. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, said, okay, you tried everything you got? Let me just roll up my sleeves. And that was 40 years ago. I was 19 years old. They said I could I'd never live. Here I am. <laughs> Not doing an impression of myself. <laughs> <laughs> said I was, blind, I was blind for five and a half years, and now I can see. The doctor, I was doing a microscope. They say my right eye is blind. I'm going to stick with my diagnosis. I don't care how many doctors say I'm blind. I know I can see, because I was blind for five and a half years. I was blind when I met her. Both legs were nerve damaged. They said never walk again. This is... Battery's not included. This really works. Okay. Got up out of the wheelchair, start, took off the leg brace, threw it away. I've jumped out of airplanes, climbed mountains, snow ski, do, and I don't ski slow. I'm offended by the word recreational. What kind of ski do you want? A recreational ski? I'd like to bust you. I'll give you some fire. Give me the foul one. Fire coming off the back of my seat. <laughs> Because once you've had, you know, I enjoy it. I'm just the way I'm built. I can't just, I'm not, you know, trying to be offensive or anything. If people like to ski, Barbara likes to lollygag, which is pretty. She's just flowing and she's just going. And, and when she gets to be about the size of an ant, then I take off. That's what I like. I can't help it. Why should I change now? I've been like that all my life. I don't, you know, I just, I just, this is the way I'm, I mean, I dialed down maybe like 3% from when I was the fastest, you know. I scared myself in Austria. I went off. It was the last run of the day. and went on this little trail and went off. All of a sudden, I find myself in the air about 30 feet going really fast, and I wasn't coming down. I go, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't do one of these in a long time. <laughs> oh, I landed it, and I was, okay. I said, okay, that's the last time. <laughs> and I found out that my legs weren't quite as springy as they was you know, back when I was 20, but that's okay. I, I was fine. But the most miraculous thing is that I never heard about being born again. I never heard about divine healing. I never heard about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And all of those things happened to me. And all I did was cry out and say, God, I'm sorry. Give me another chance. In other words, like, give me another chance to live. Not only did he give me my life was re-given. I had it, and not only was I lost, but I lost my life. And then God gave it back to me again. Most people don't get another chance. And then God began to work on me for seven years, discipling me by the Holy Spirit personally, and he brought certain people into my life. And then he, I went through a worse crisis than the airplane crash. It's called the call of God. Every mind-blowing, hair-raising, freaking weird thing, and you're, it goes against natural wisdom. It's like, you know, I would just want to be a regular nice person and love everybody. I was so full of love. I, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I didn't even know what it was. This was really good stuff. If I could put this stuff in a bottle, I could be the biggest drug dealer in the world. One sip of this, and you, there, is, there ain't no high like the most high. That's right. People go out and try and get high, and they just come down. You get this, and this is... 
this is something else. Okay? And I didn't even know what it was. All I know is it was good. I just loved everybody. One day, nobody, nobody was visiting me. Always, there was always a lot of visitors in the hospital, you know, because they were waiting for me to die. And <laughs> they wanted to be there on time, you know. And <laughs> but one day, just no one was there for just a moment. I was in the, laying there flat on my back, couldn't move, and a little fly came in. And I was so full of love. I said, what a pretty little fly. <laughs> Look at how the light's coming through his wings and making all those different colors. You can come anytime. <laughs> so nice of you to visit me. I love you, you little fly. I see one of those, today I would like a bastard brains out of that little thing. Get out of here. I was so full of love, I loved everything. That's unnatural. Here I am, I am toast. I loved everybody, and they're poking knives at me. I just loved them, I didn't care. This is unnatural. That's why it's called supernatural. So the biggest thing, other than the obvious thing, being blind, and now I see being brain damaged, being paralyzed, both legs, they said never walk again, all those obvious miracles, the biggest miracle is a transformed heart. And it's not back then, it continues on. Every day, you're either going closer and becoming more Christ-like or the gravity of the earth will pull you. You either aggressively pressing in to God or you are passively being drawn to the gravities of this world. And I have been there. I've seen that circus. I've seen that elephant that the world has to offer. And when the show's over, it's just dead. You can climb the money mountain, you can climb the fame mountain, you can climb the fellowship, the relationship mountain. When you get to the tops of those mountains, and if God's not in it, it's nothing. But once you've been to the mountain of the Lord, once you've met, once you've had a personal encounter, and the Prince of Peace lives inside of you, this world is really, you know, I am an alien. Thursday we were having a prayer meeting. There was just a few of us praying in the city. I just started singing. Just to, myself, everybody was just singing a different song, a song of the Lord. I see. I just sing. I'm not of this realm. I'm not of this. I felt so good about that. I'm not of this realm. I'm an alien. <laughs> I am. The Bible says we're aliens and strangers. We're here for a brief period of time. You know, it's not that uh, you know I'm part Italian, I'm part you know Jewish, Polish, Irish, or whatever I am. Not Irish. You know, Barbara is. You know, but America's the old country. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That's my home. But while I'm on earth, I am called with divine and eternal purposes to do certain things. We all are. And now is the best time to do those things. Okay. Let me give my book away to somebody who doesn't know me, who wants to read about the wonderful things the Lord did for me. This is not about my ministry. This is about... Here's the deal, though. Whoever reads this, you have to give it to somebody who is either hurting, doesn't know God, doesn't know the God of miracles and all that. If you want it, you got to hurry. You come and get it because, oh, the clock is driving me. I'm going to do a Joshua. I'm going to stop everything. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> We've got these little children here, though. <laughs> Put them to sleep on a few, yeah. Okay, we'll try, we'll try and do this. This is going to be okay. I want, let's pray because i got a lot. I don't know. It doesn't take a lot. It just takes God. And we have the Holy Spirit is here. Father, I just thank you for Church Triumphant. Not only is it, is it a perfect name, it's a church, it's a house that you've built. And you are still building this house of the Lord. And Lord, I honor the years that I know about this place and uh, the journey, the pilgrimage this church has been on. 
And I just stand before you and I ask, Lord God, for special grace for tonight, that all of us would have a clearer focus on the one we're supposed to be looking at, our Lord Jesus Christ. That we're not yet what we're supposed to be. We are now sons and daughters of God. We are now children of God. But it has not yet appeared what we will be. But if we keep our hope fixed on him, we will purify or allow ourselves to be transformed that when we see him, we are going to be just like him. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Lord, bring a deposit of that grace this night to these beautiful people. Barbara and I ask that as friends of God, lovers of God, and those who have been the recipient of the love of this church. We ask you for that in Jesus' name. All those in agreement say, yippee. Barbara, stand up. This is my wife, Barbara. It's not my oldest daughter. <laughs> One of the most common questions I says, were you guys married when you were in the airplane crash? They just assumed that she would never marry me, having been a plane crash guy, you know. One guy, I was on television once in, uh, in Pennsylvania, and I was in the room where they put the makeup. I don't know how you went wear that makeup. It's really kind of cakey, you know? At least, at least for TV it is, you know? And, you know, so I'm talking to the lady, and all of a sudden there's this commotion. I realize that somebody came in the room. Here it's the owner, and it's the guy that's going to interview me, like, on a two-hour TV show. And, and so I just turn around and say, hey, how you doing, Russ? And I go to shake his hand. He goes, he goes, you're a lot better looking than I thought you'd be. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute. That's not a compliment. <laughs> He's disappointed. Uh, you want me to go get some raw hamburger and stick it on there, a little lighter fluid and, uh, you know, a little smoke coming off the clothes? I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Take the, tell the makeup artist to, you know, put some crash and burn on there. I don't know what you... He goes, you're a lot better looking than you're supposed to be. He's like, <laughs> he, had, he had read all my material, so he was really, you know, I don't know, expecting Frankenstein or something. But that's, you know... You don't have to exaggerate the Holy Spirit. He, he makes it good enough. I mean, I thought was, but everybody, the most common question is, oh, so you were married when Barbara met you. Or you were married when you were in an airplane crash. No, she was 14, and I'm not a child abuser. So <laughs> We met five years later. But I saw her in an open vision in heaven five years before we met. I saw everything for seven years that was going to come in the future. In heaven. Heaven's an easy place to be spiritual. Let me give you a little hint. This is, it's harder to be spiritual on earth than it is in heaven. There's no doubt and unbelief. There's no critics. There's no people with bad attitudes. There's just nothing wrong with heaven. Absolutely zero. Heaven is awesome, and it's real. It's more real than this. This is temporary. This is like a disposable lighter. The heaven's eternal. And heaven, everything about heaven is more glorious than you can even, you just can't wrap your brain around it. So be glad you're going to heaven. And if you don't know you're going to heaven, we're going to settle that tonight because the consequences of not going to heaven are too terrible to talk about. Going to heaven is the only way to go. But people say, well, are you, do you, uh, you kind of like wish you were in heaven? You know, after everything I've been through, I'm not quite up to it yet. And I have, a, I, have a, I, have a, I have something to complete. We have something. We're here for a reason. If it was just, you know, get fire insurance and then blast away, you know, we might as well just all take Kool-Aid and get out of here, you know. But there is a divine purpose here. There was a, uh, a line in the movie Gladiator that I think is worth quoting, even though it's not a Bible verse. 
is what we do in this life will echo in eternity. Tonight I want to talk to you about the power of influence. As we're living this life as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ, there needs to be an ongoing transformation that goes on in our inner man, and it should emanate and manifest Christ-likeness through our outer man. The writer Paul, in his epistle to the churches that are called in Colossians, the group of churches there, writes in Colossians 1.27 that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Not just at the moment of death when you transition and go to heaven, but God glorifying you in this life, that his glory will shine through you, and that shining through you will have an influence on this earth like nothing, like nobody else. We live in a time when we're having an overload of sensory things. I mean, people are on cell phones, they're on iPhones, they're on computers, they're, on, they're constantly got their senses opened. We need to be the most influential force that's in this visible world. Did you hear me? Because we shouldn't blend in. We should be distinct. Romans 12. Now, if you weren't here this morning, pray for me because I have to have a miracle by next Sunday. And that's getting all this stuff uploaded on this uh, uh, internet computer TV thing that's going to open up an audience of up to 100 million people for free that we can speak the ministry of Jesus Christ to. And I've got to have a miracle before next Easter Sunday when it gets launched. So please pray for us, okay? I mean, I got the stuff. I just got to figure. I got to get the people together, and I only have a certain amount of time because we fly out on Friday to go to Dallas, and it's got to all happen. But if you guys can have this church built, the way I was here on Saturday, uh, and the inspector said it's going to take at least two weeks till it passed the inspection, and it was open Sunday morning, I suppose we could get this done. So just pray for me because that was a miracle, and we need one like that. Romans chapter 12. How many believe that God can do anything? Come on. Paul writing to churches, believers. My glasses are right here. I'm not supposed to. I get these contexts. I can actually read pretty good without them, but it's better if I put these on. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Romans 12, verse 1, Barbara. By the mercies of God, that you... Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Sometimes I should say of worship. I like that. And do not be conformed to this world. Hello? Don't be influenced by this world. Don't try and copy this world. Don't come under the influence of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. A lot of people read that and they go, whoa. My, 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 my. Perfect. How many struggle with that word perfect? How many know that the Bible says that the Lord is perfecting us? That that in the end, on the earth, there's going to be a group of people that will be a bride without spot or wrinkle. How many feel like maybe you need to go through the wash a couple of times? Like, where's where's there room for me? Look, here is the stress release. It isn't as much up to you. 
How, it's like, how many know that when the church tries to fix itself, it usually makes it worse? But Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The good news that I have for you is that Jesus loves the church. And, and the Ephesians 5, which is read at a lot of Christian weddings, it goes back and forth, wives do this, your husband, husband do your wife, blah, 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 just as Christ loves the church. And it says, this mystery is great, but it's more than about marriage. It says, this is about Christ and the church. The Lord is going to straighten the church out. Wait, how come, you're not looking at me. The Lord is going to perfect the church because he loves us so much. He's going to do what we can't do. But we need to cooperate with him. And that when you do, you're really going to feel a lot better. Everything's going to get better if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We need to renew our mind. How often? Every day. Not just Sunday morning. Not just when you got to do something. You know, because we are bombarded every day. And you know, I, don't, I don't believe in isolationism. I love being around unbelievers. I want to influence them. I don't want them to influence me. The very least I want to do with an unbeliever is make them a little uncomfortable with the thing that's blocking them from seeing God. When I tell them what happened to me, they go, what? You mean what? It just scrambles their entire... They have to say, well, that ha- something happened to you? How I many know that, you know, I don't put on makeup every day and go out and fake it, okay? <laughs> and the doctors, all that read my, they all know it was miraculous. And atheist, oh, I'll tell that later. Remind me to tell you about the atheist professor of neurology of the Department of Medicine at the University of Iowa. Okay. Somebody, rem- Barbara, remind me of that. Okay. okay, let's move on here. We are in a seasonal shift. We're not starting another move of God. We're, there was two major moves of God in the 20th century. The turn of the century, there was a guy named Charles Parnham in Kansas, got something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then a few years later there was Azusa Street, which was part of that move. That went on, and in 1948 there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It started up in uh, North Battleford, uh, Saskatchewan, and it, and it moved down in the United States. It's called the Latter Rain Movement. That's where... There was a restoration of the kind of worship that we're doing now, a restoration of the fivefold ministry, a restoration of the laying on of hands and prophecy, and a restoration, and that's what brought about, after that was the charismatic movement, after that, you know, was, was called the third wave, and then after that was the prophetic movement, but all of it, there was two major seasonal shifts. The first one was on the January 1st, 1900, or 1901, Charles Parnham, where this woman in a rocking chair got baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. When the whole Darby thing, they said the gifts had, there's been a cessation of the gifts. And every time since Pentecost, there's always been a move of the Holy Spirit. It, it, is, it is, other people have documented, it's been everywhere. But now, it is everywhere all over the world. There's never been a time like this that it's global. There has been a global prayer movement for over 25 years. There is round-the-clock worship in places, round-the-clock prayer in places. There's never been a time more probable for God to bring in a harvest than right now. And yet we let ourselves, we let, our get, let ourselves get influenced by the negativity of the world. Our minds will be clouded with unbelief and limitations about what God can do. That's why we need to renew our minds. That's why when I was singing, I'm not of this realm, I'm not of this realm, I really felt it and I really meant it. I am not of this realm. I get my information from the highest place. 
and I don't get it secondhand. But the body of Christ is entering uncharted waters. We need the Holy Spirit to be our GPS. How many have a GPS? I mean, oh, they're a wonderful invention. They're, we were, where were we? In Los Angeles two weeks ago. I don't think you should be allowed to drive without a GPS. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I think if you live in Los Angeles, you shouldn't be allowed to drive anyway. <laughs> you should have horses. It's crazy. There's too many people in too much of a place with too, too few roads and too many cars. It is nuts. It's just crazy. But if you don't have a GPS, you might as well just give up. Just a hitchhike. If somebody knows where they're going, take you there. But God, the Holy Spirit, knows exactly where you're supposed to be. It's, it, GPS is global positioning satellite. God knows where you are and what you're supposed to be doing. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be in contact with the Holy Spirit the way a GPS works. It's not hard, is it, to understand that? Now open your Bibles to uh, 1 Thessalonians, the power of influence. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'm going to start, I'll start on verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father. Let me pause there for a second. For a, a, for a second, There is a trilogy throughout Paul's writings of faith, hope, and love. If you've been to any Christian weddings, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 13. Now, where there's this, this will pass away. You know, knowledge will pass away. Prophecy will pass away. It says, but now we abide in these three things, faith, hope, and love. That's probably the most memorable place. But also there's other writings, there's Romans chapter 5, there's Galatians, where this faith, hope, and love occurs together. But actually many cessationists, cessationists are people that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit stopped with the death of the original apostles. Well, that's not true, because if that's true, I wouldn't be here. If there wasn't healings and miracles and prophecy and encouragement and fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit, I'm not here. And I tell you, I am here. I recognize my own self, okay? And I know you're here, too, because I can see you, okay? And so this trilogy of faith, hope, and love, listen to the emphasis that Paul writes to the people there. Verse 4, Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. That means, and Paul is writing, not to boast or not to brag, because he knows that you know, pride goes before a fall. And he already had a big fall on the Damascus Road. I think all his pride got punched out pretty much was on that, that, that one. You know. But he says, you know what kind of people we were amongst you. You know how we were when we were amongst you. How many of you would like to have that, be able to say that with integrity? When we spent time with people, we influenced them, and all of the focus was directing them more towards God. And we were with them, not just in giving good doctrinal words, but in the power and in the Holy Spirit, people's lives were transformed. Come on. That's the testimony of the church that Jesus loves, where Jesus is alive is that, oh, I don't know what happened, but we're different. 
something happened to me and we're different. And see, we can influence, with the power of influence, we underestimate and limit God to what he's doing and what can happen in your life. You realize that the same God is inside you that parted the Red Sea. He's the same God that healed all the lepers. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead. He's not the junior God. He's not the learning to be God. He's not the force be with you. He's the full magnitude of God living in you. The river of life is in you, and that river wants to connect to other people. The river is supposed to flow out of the temple, and you are the temple. What constitutes us from being a man of the spirit rather than like a macho man or a carnal man? What makes us different? If you go to Exodus 33, we'll get a little clue here. I love the Bible. How many, how many of you, when you read the Bible, stuff happens to you? Anybody? Start asking God, say, Lord, I really want to get something today. And open the Bible, I promise you, you, you you're going to start to hear God speak to you personally. Okay? Moses has a pretty intense encounter with God. How many would agree? He just didn't get, he didn't get goosebumps. I mean, he had a face-to-face, okay? Then Moses begins to negotiate with God. Verse 12. He said, and Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said to me, I know you by name, and you also say you have also found grace, some translation says favor, in my sight. Now therefore, I pray. He's, he's a good Jewish negotiator. Okay, Moses is. He's negotiating with God. Isn't that, isn't that kind of gutsy? And he says, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way or your ways that I might know you, that I might find grace in your sight. Isn't that amazing? We need to know the ways of God. Not conform to this world. If you want to be influential, we have to know how God is, what he likes, how he moves, what his language is, how, how that is interpreted to living on this earth, to live as a, as, a, as a disciple that's pleasing God. How many want to please God? Well, you can only do that if you're in communion with God. So Moses says, show me your ways that I might know you, that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. I love it. He brings the responsibility back to God. And we ought to say that about America. Consider that this nation is your people. First of all, this country was founded by people who planted a cross. Uh, The first permanent settlers in Cape Henry, Virginia, over 402 years ago, they planted a cross on Cape Henry, Virginia, and they dedicated, they didn't know how big it was, but they dedicated all of North America to the Lord Jesus Christ. And they they risked their lives, and many of them, most of them, didn't make it through the winter. But they came here because they wanted the freedom of worship. They didn't come here looking for gold. They came here wanting freedom to worship. That's sacrifice. Consider that this nation, America, is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. He said then, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here. In other words, he's saying to guys, okay, I'll go do this thing. I'll take these people to this promised land that you've talked about. 
But here are the deals. Here's the deal. I want to know your ways because I want to continue to, find, to walk in your grace and favor. I think that's a pretty smart thing to ask. I want, I want to know you better every day. I want, to, I want to get to know you better. I mean, I've seen you at the burning bush. That freaked me out. I, I, we had all the plagues in Egypt. That was pretty, pretty impressive. I felt pretty hot then, you know. But now you want me to take these two and a half to three million weird people who are stubborn and stiff-necked. They're your people anyway. I'm just working for you, but it's your deal. He's smart. See, once you start letting pride take ownership of something, you're going to, God will say, okay, you can try it in your own strength. And he'll wait for you just to get tired or freak out, and he say, okay, you need a little help? You're asking me for a little help? Just, let, just tell God every day, Lord, I need all that you got. I'm just walking here, you know? <laughs> He says, if your presence, he says this, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't, I'm not going to do it. Mickey's translation. He said, for how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us, so that we will be different, distinct, from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. And yet, it's the goal of many churches in the Western world to make people comfortable and to dumb down the person of God, the language of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's called grieving the Holy Spirit and or quenching the Holy Spirit. This is God's church, and he should be able to do what he wants in it. And we should want him to do what he wants in it. I'm talking about the church in America. They say, we want to make people feel comfortable. We want sinners not to get offended. No, they need to know if they keep doing that, the results are pretty bad. Not just bad in this life. I mean, the end, uh, the paycheck for sin is death. Eternal damnation. People are like, oh, you can't talk like that. People will leave the church. They're not in it anyway. They may be sitting somewhere, but they're not in the ecclesia, those that have been called out of darkness into the light. So Moses says, I want your presence to go with us so that we look different, we act different, that we are different. It's a good thing to negotiate for. Because then we'll be influential. And he says that he's, he knows that they're going to go into a land where there's idolatry and everything else, and we are worshiping the living God. Then God says, okay, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I do know you by name. And Moses says, okay, now let's get personal. Show me your glory. See, most people are asking for that first. God, I want to see your glory. If I just see your glory, then I'll be glorious. And they get my picture taken with the Bible and my finger pointing straight. Now that's the last thing he asked. Because he spent 40 years in Egypt knowing the height of, of their occult power. Their architecture that they, the scientists still can't figure out how they were able to build the pyramids as accurately as they were. He had the best education. And then he spent 40 years in the backside of the desert. And then he sees minding sheep, wondering what on earth is going to happen to me. And then he, he has an encounter with God who sends him back to that country. And with a stick in his hand, he overthrows the world's superpower. He's had God with him. That's a big helper, okay? Was Moses influential? You bet your booty he set people free that were slaves for over 400 years. And they took and they marched out with their economy. Leave! 
Get out of here. Take you and your plagues and your God and get out of here. You can have all the gold. They took all of their loot. They marched out of there and they went. And Moses, okay, we got this far now, God. I'm not going any farther unless I can know your way so I can stay in touch with you all the time. I want your presence to go with us so that we're different. We're distinct. We're not just ordinary people blending in. And he's all done. He says, okay, I'll show me your glory. And I'm not, that's a whole other teaching. You can get, I have a tape out there called Show Me Your Glory, which has an in-depth study about what Moses saw. Well, I think he saw. Anyway, I think he saw some pretty cool stuff. Show me your ways that I might know you and find grace in your sight. How many of you want, want that? Number two, distinction. Distinct from all the other people who are in the world. We, as men should be radically, men and women, men, when I say men, I mean mankind. As God's house, as God's family, we should be radically different from everybody else. Not in what we wear. Not in our bumper stickers only. What radiates from us? What emanates from us? They go, there's something about you that's different. What is it? See, I tell people I want to be so full of the glory of God that I give a pale person a tan. Wow, what do you got? But do you want to know something? It's beginning to work like that. People feel the presence of God. They don't even know what it is. What is it about you? I have testimony after testimony when I was minding my own business that God just leaked through me. Seriously. Because the river wants to connect to people. The river of God wants everything that river touches comes alive. The river of God. Distinct. Last year, Barbara and I went to, uh, we were in the Netherlands. And we were there the first time. We did a conference. And then we would like preach twice a day in a different place. And every place, now we've been going to Europe for like 20 years. And it's, you guys think, I mean, you might think that Chillicothe is hard, you know, nothing hard in America if we would really see it for what it is. It was really hard, but every place we went, people were getting saved, people were getting healed, and people were getting delivered. In every place, this is in the Netherlands, where they have legalized prostitution and legalized marijuana smoking. God was just blasted. We were going to places nobody else could get into. They were just, and we had no schedule. The person that was supposed to schedule us goofed up. All the stuff came the day we, we finished the conference. And we were in a different place every day, preaching like twice a day. All kinds of stuff was happening. Well, one night at the conference, we met a famous guy, Brother Andrew. He came in, and he got down on his knees. I, I wanted to get down on the rug. And I laid a sword on him, and I, I prophesied over him. He's been going. He's get, he says he gets more invitations from the Taliban in Pakistan than from the body of Christ in Pakistan. And he says, repent. He uses the Message Bible. Repent from your stupid and wicked culture. This is the kind of preaching. That's real seeker-sensitive, isn't it? <laughs> And, they, and, it, and he talks to them about Jesus, and they get saved. He says 10% of the population of that country are born-again Christians. Because wow. he's preaching the gospel to people who are in darkness. Yeah. He probably isn't allowed to come to America because the CIA knows that he's been going over there. Probably will never be allowed to come to America. He's 80 years old, and he's so full of energy and so sharp, and I felt like a midget in front of him, you know? He said, here's this guy, man, he's risking his life, and he's so happy about it. And he's, he wants me to pray for him? Well, I was, 
I was praying that I was going to drain him of everything he had <laughs> while I'm prophesying over it. I'm making a withdrawal. Here we go. I'll bless you, but I'm getting what I can. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who just claims he's a lush. Bill, ever, ever hear of Bill Johnson? He's written a lot of books. Bill Johnson, we've known Bill for about 12, 13 years, and he says, I basically come here because I am a, I'm a lush. He says, I want to, anybody's got any kind of money? How you doing? How's it going? Uh, getting it on me a little bit. Here we go. And I do that, too. I've been doing that for years. Anybody got any kind of anointing? If you've got a spiritual gift you don't want, I'm just going to take it from you and put it in my account. I've never overdosed on the Holy Ghost, but I'd like to get close. <laughs> Influential. The power of influence. Moses said these things so that he would have a continuance of increase as he lived out his life. He just didn't want to get, arrive at a certain plateau. Now that I'm Moses, I'm in charge of all these people, I'm really cool, I've got power and all that. He said, no, I want to keep going, keep growing. So I, I want to see all of it. It's remarkable in the order in which he asked God these things. Now, I have wanted, in recent years, I've asked God to experience his glory because that's what transformed me. Not for the sensational part about it. It, isn't, it is sensational. I'll tell you what, when you really experience the real God, you're probably not able to talk very much. You just, you can, you're in awe. You're blown away. I, I, get, I, I implode, mostly. Like, I'd love to get slain in the spirit a lot. I'd love to do all kinds of, Mostly what happens to me, I just fall to pieces inside. Sometimes I cry so bad, it's like I, I have a convulsion. It's wonderful. Because when I'm done, there's just no more me in operation. I'm just like, but it's really good. It's like a big flush, you know? When I get blindsided by the love of God, I'm just absolutely, wonderfully undone. And I love being in that state. Because then God can do, it's like soft clay rather than hard clay. Understand? We need to, that's why we need to have gentle and soft and easy to be transformed hearts and minds. We shouldn't be hard to receive. We should be easy to receive the things of God. Then we'll be people of power and influence, and God will freely give us the Holy Spirit. What sometimes what people build with their gift is destroyed by untransformed character. Did you hear me? Sometimes what people have built with their spiritual gifts has been destroyed in a weekend by bad character or by a character flaw or not having a right relationship. We're living in very, we're, everything's being exposed. Everything's being revealed. In government, in military, in Wall Street, in entertainment, in the church, everything. The good and the evil are both coming out in double portion. I don't want any evil. Please, God, continue to transform me. Paul writes, go to Romans chapter 1. And the Apostle Paul's an amazing man. How, who would agree with me? Here's a guy. He really wasn't helping the church in the beginning. Is that, do you understand that? And yet he thought he was. He thought he was really serving God. We first hear about him at Stephen's martyrdom. That a young man named Saul of Tarsus was holding everybody's cloaks while they were, and when they were stoning, when they would do stoning, they weren't like little kids throwing little pebbles. They would find a low place, make a person stand down there, they're picking up rocks like this, and throwing it and crushing a person to death. Stoning was a horrible way to, to die. And yet, 
Stephen is Christ-like and says, Lord, don't lay this sin at their charge. How can he do that? Because the Holy Spirit gave him the power to be able to forgive the people that were killing him because they're ignorant. They don't know what they're doing. He said the same thing that Jesus said dying on the cross. That kind of boggles my mind. He said he saw heaven open and saw Jesus standing. And he said, I see heaven open. I see Jesus standing. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to sit down when this one comes up. I'm giving him a standing ovation myself. Me and about 100 zillion trillion angels are going to welcome this one in. And they, they gnashed their teeth and rushed upon him and threw more rocks at him. And Saul was there saying, yeah, we've got to get rid of all these Christians. But then Saul had his day when he got straightened out by the Lord. How many are glad that, that, he, that he did? Okay, He writes, and this is an incredible thing, He's writing to the church, the churches that are in Rome, a place that he had never been. He says, uh, I'll pick up on uh, verse 7 here of the first chapter. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, for your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Just remember that. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, and that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. He's never seen these people, never been there. Make a request if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you that I, I may impart some spiritual gift so that you might be established. That is, that I might be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I'll just stop right there on the 12th verse. Listen to Paul talking. He says, I, I can't wait to come. He says, he says in another part, he says, I wanted to come before, but Satan thwarted me. Now I'm coming, and I'm coming as a prisoner. They're paying for my, uh, for my uh, travel because I'm going to Rome to go on trial. He says, but I'm glad because it's in the plan of God. The guy needs counseling. Okay. <laughs> Somehow he finds God in the middle of all of this. And on Paul's journey to get there, it says, he said in Ephesus, he, had, he, was, he was going on all the different places where he had ministered, and he was going to Jerusalem. And it says, the Holy Spirit says in every city, bonds and afflictions await you if you go to Jerusalem. So how was the Holy Spirit saying it? People were giving prophecies to him. And the people in Ephesus says, Paul, don't go. They interpret it as like, if you go, they're going to catch you and they're going to kill you. Stay here. We'll build you a condo. We got a Holy Ghost jacuzzi for you. We'll give you a massage and bagels and, and lamb and eggs for breakfast and it'd be wonderful and we just love you. And he says, why are you breaking my heart? Imagine how conflicted he must have been. They were saying how much they loved him. They were giving prophecies he heard in every other city. He had to think like, what is the will of God? How many wondered what is the will of God? But there was something inside of him that was compelling him to go to Jerusalem. And they said, why are you breaking my heart? Why are you making this hard for me to do the will of God? i got to do what I feel like I'm supposed to do. They were all hearing from God, but they didn't have the full interpretation and application of it. And Paul continued on, went to Rome. There's a big chaotic riot. He gets arrested. He gets thrown in jail. Probably they're going to kill him. But then Jesus stands at his side and says to him, it's in Acts 27, as you testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also in Rome. Now, I give that a 9.5 under Richter Stale of Holy Spirit Encounters. 9.9 .9 is like what I had, going to heaven and coming back. 
10 is going to heaven and staying there. So if we're doing the spiritual Olympics, that's the deal. But if you're in jail and you think you might get killed and everybody's been prophesying and every city you go to, don't go to Rome and you're chained up and you're wondering what's coming next. Is it going to be the real short haircut at the, at the Adam's apple? Or <laughs> then Jesus stands at his side and said, way to go, Paul. You've come through all this way. And as you've testified about me here in Jerusalem, you're going to go testify about me in Rome. Ah, Paul, yes, I'm ready to go. And he goes to Rome, and he, and, but he, he tells the Roman people, he says, I can't wait to come and get to you because when I do, this river inside of me loves to come and influence people. And when I come, so is he cocky? Is he confident? No, he's just been doing the stuff that a called man of God does. And he says, I can't wait to come to impart some spiritual gift to you. And when that happens, my faith is going to be increased. See, it's never a one-way deal. This church builds my faith. This church renews my mind. This church holds me accountable for the things I do, whether you know it or not, because I would never want to bring shame on this church by my behavior. And I've never said that before anywhere. This church is a real church. There's a lot of large gatherings. They're just people sitting down. There's theater churches where they're watching the show. There's Christian Disneyland. they got so many programs. You can ride all the rides. When you got you haven't gone anywhere. But this is a real church. It's a living church. And you are more influential than you know. Paul, let's go back here to verse... Eight. First of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Why wasn't he talking about Jerusalem? Why wasn't he talking about Antioch? Why wasn't he talking about Ephesus? Those were, that was a place where Jesus said, or the church of Philadelphia, or any of those, some of those churches that were mentioned in the book of Revelation. Why was he talking about, why was he saying that your faith has gone out to the whole world. Why? Because Rome was the most influential city in the world. And the people talking about their faith were the soldiers, the businessmen, the artists, all the people that came to the center of the world, which was Rome. And they said, man, we are partying. We got hot water. We got jacuzzis. We, got, we have to build a special room. We eat so much, we have to go get rid of it. In. It's called a vomitorium. It's in their architecture. Seriously. They actually built rooms they would just eat and get rid of it so they could go eat some more. They said, yeah, but there's some weird stuff happening. You remember Erastus and Brutus and his family and Chloe? They got weird on us. They got weird on us. They won't party with us anymore. They're all in love with this guy that we had killed over there in that place that we got in, in the east, that hot place in Palestine, some guy named Jesus Nazareth, who they claim was crucified and is alive, but they're all happy and they, and, and they love each other and they share their money and food. They just go against the, really the grain here. This, but you know, there's something profound about them. They love each other. They're different. They're distinct. And there's stories of miracles and healings amongst all these people. And even when we tell them not to pray, they just have underground chambers and they have secret meetings and we can't stop it. They weren't afraid of persecution. 
They weren't afraid of, what, of having a reputation. They loved each other. They were distinct. And Paul said, the gospel has gone out to the whole. Rome controlled 25% of the civilized world. They controlled, let alone influenced other places by their, by their governmental, uh, economic, and military power that the gospel was being carried. The story of being a Christian, of Jesus Christ, was being carried by the belief, from the believers to every person in Rome when they went anywhere or when they came to that city. Why? Why did Paul want to go there? Because he understood the power. I want to just do a little run-through. Acts chapter 1 through 12 is about the ministry of the Apostle Peter. Acts 13 through 28 is about the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Peter was an apostle to the circumcision. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles, the uncircumcision. Peter had a foundational apostolic ministry. Paul had a foundational ministry. Peter had apostolic revelation to the church. Paul had apostolic revelation to the church. Peter was to the Jew first. Paul went to the synagogue first. Then Peter went to the Gentiles. Then Paul went to the Gentiles. Peter laid hands on the Samaritans. Paul laid hands on the Ephesians, and they received the Holy Spirit. The Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was outpoured through Paul for Peter, and it was outpoured through Paul. He healed a lame man. Peter healed a lame man. Paul healed a lame man. He raised a person from the dead. Paul raised a person from the dead. Peter was known for signs and wonders. Paul did signs and wonders. He deals with a sorcerer. Paul deals with a sorcerer. He witnessed before the Sanhedrin. Paul witnessed before the Sanhedrin. Seven addresses or seven preachings are recorded in the book of Acts. Seven addresses by Paul are recorded in the book of Acts. He established local churches. Paul established local churches. He was in prison for witness, for witnessing. Paul was in prison for witnessing. The angel of the Lord delivers him from prison. The angel of the Lord delivers Paul from prison by sending an earthquake. Uh, he's arrested in the temple. Paul was arrested in the temple. Chains fell off Peter when he was in prison. Chains were loosed from Paul when he was in prison. He was a man of heavenly visions. Paul was a man of heavenly visions. Religious and political opposition was against him. Religious and political opposition was against Paul as well. He was beaten for the name of Jesus. He, Paul was beaten and stoned for the name of Jesus. His region of influence, Peter's, was Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Paul's was to the uttermost parts of the earth. Peter was the writer of two epistles. Paul was the writer of 14. Peter was called from the center, from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria. Then he ended up at Caesarea Philippi, where he discipled the man called John Mark, who writes the Gospel of Mark, which is basically Peter's eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. Paul's influence went all the way to Rome and to the ends of the earth. And for the next, Paul is saying, I want to come to impart spiritual gifts to you that you might be established, because he doesn't, he doesn't say this, but this is what history proves, that Rome is going to be the next most influential location to come in and go out of for the next 500 years. The power of influence. America should be the most influential source of the good news of Jesus Christ more than any other place on the earth, and we can't let the government, the media, the schools, the neighbors shut us down. We're not doing anybody a favor. 
It doesn't even say in the Bible anywhere to be a good Christian. We're to be radical. We're to be persuasive. We're to love people because their lives depend on them knowing or not knowing God. We can complain all about the people. Hey, the people who are ignorant don't know. We who know have the privilege to help lift the veil, open their eyes, work a miracle, do something so that God has influenced them so they can influence others. About two and a half years ago, Barbara and I were doing a television. We were filming, we were filming a show to be on television. It just so happened there were some other people that were going to film that day that we knew. There were some people we didn't know. We were in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the guy, it was Sid Roth, who has a thing called it Supernatural. Well, there was a couple of our friends were also going to film shows. They do a bunch of them at the same time. And um, we were having a lunch, <clears throat> and a man came in with his wife, who uh, was a congresswoman from Florida. And uh, this man was, had been from Ghana, from the West African country of Ghana. And he, reached, he pointed over to a man sitting next to me, who's a man I've known for over 25 years. He says, the man with the white beard and the white hair, he says, the Lord has a word for you. And he went and did about 20 years of consecutive, he doesn't know who this guy is, doesn't know anything about him, of chronological history, prophetic history of this guy's life. I'm holding his hand under the table because I'm afraid he's going to go crazy because this prophecy is so profound and accurate. And this guy is listening to this thing. And it was astounding at what he was saying. This guy, you're in this city, but you're going to move back to that city, and you really do this, and you interpret dreams, and now you're working with business people, and blah, 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 blah. And he was, it's like, I cannot, I, this is so unbelievable. And he doesn't have a clue who this guy is. Well, at the end of the day, we did our show, and Barbara and I were in the lobby, and this man and his wife came up and said, can you sit down? And he starts to, he says, uh, he says the Lord, we'd like to pray for you, and uh, the Lord's got some words for you. And so I was ready, because I saw this guy in action. I said, you know. <laughs> And uh, his wife started out, and she was incredible, this congresswoman from Florida. And then uh, he started, and um, first he said some wonderful things about me, some wonderful things about Barbara. And then in the end, he says, he said, you have a son. And I stopped for a minute. We have three sons. And our oldest, we have Michael, Matthew, and Jacob, and then our baby is Elizabeth, a, a girl. You probably guessed that would not be a son. And uh, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be our second oldest son, Matthew. But I've been saying, I give, I'm playing poker. I, was, I don't want to show this guy anything. No clues, no excitement, nothing. You know? I want everything to be real. You know? He says, you have a son. He says, I see him in the background. And I see all this lights and music and all this stuff going on. Then I see him standing underneath a spotlight, speaking, directing, all attentions being focused on him. This son of yours is going to be a major apostolic and prophetic influence in the entertainment industry. God's going to bring increase and influence in his life. So that said, he will not believe. God's been preparing him and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Ooh. and at the very end of the word, he says, and God is bringing a girl into his life. Well, our son Matt had been, uh, Matthew, this is like two and a half years ago. He's, he, at 19, he went to New Zealand to ministry school. He came back and he was in various things and... Uh, he spent two years in Israel, went to Hebrew University and studied world economics. He could just seem like when he went to New Zealand and he learned how to study the Bible and play guitar and worship, it's like he could learn anything. When he learned Hebrew, they thought he was Jewish. They thought he was an Israeli. Because it was the way he looks, his hair and everything, he just, just figured he was a Jew. People have been there for 10 years and they, they could pick him out as an American like that. You know? He just, by studying the Word of God, he developed a capacity to learn. But I think more than that, God was developing him in a long-term way for a destiny, 
that God had planned for him. Well, um, a few months before, this was like in October, a few months before that, he was, uh, we, he got a, we got a phone call from a friend of ours. Her name was Becca Green. It's actually Keith. How I many know who Keith Green is? His, his daughter said, will you come and see me? We're up at Opryland, and uh, I'm doing this thing with this singer, and, and she wanted to see our whole family because we're all friends. We've known her since she's a little girl. So we went up there, and actually the, the kids went up there ahead of me, and I was in traffic. I missed this, whatever they were doing and went for dinner, and uh, this gal came down who was the singer, and she was doing a, what they call a, what do they call it? A showcase for all, like, producers and record people. It was all it was. It was a private, about 1,000 people. And she, I wouldn't have known her, but she's a very well-known, famous pop singer named Natasha Bedingfield. And uh, so we're having dinner, fooling around, and, and uh, we had fun. I left, and they stayed up till 3.30 in the morning. And what happened was it was love at first sight for both. And neither of them were looking for relationships. She texted him. She says, this is my phone number. I had a great time. Call me. Next weekend, he was out in Los Angeles. Well, time goes by, those months, and they're having this global relationship, and Matt is really confused because he's in real estate, but he realizes he has to go to California if he's going to continue his relationship. And he was so frustrated because, like, how can I be a man and possibly compete with this woman who's already got this big career, has got all this stuff, you know, she's got, I mean, she doesn't even know what to mean. She's just huge. Her first, she came to America for, for six weeks and she stayed here a year. Her first CD did, se- did seven million units. Okay, that's kind of a lot. Okay, if you know anything about the music industry, that's okay for being a breakout person. Well, two weeks ago, well, anyway, we got this prophecy, and I called Matt on the worst day of his life. He was so discouraged and confused and disoriented and disappointed, he didn't know how this relationship was ever going to work. When I told him about the prophecy, he just dropped the phone. He couldn't talk. And he hung up and he just started crying and praying to God. Well, two weeks ago, they got married. That's them. But the amazing thing is that the prophetic word is true. Now, Matt is going to be the producer of major Hollywood movies. He's met every, I could drop names of the people that he's met that absolutely are blown away by what emanates out of him. It's the destiny of God. It's the power of influence. And she is not only a spirit-filled believer, a whole family spirit-filled. When she sings, they know there's something different about it. I said that for, I didn't just say that to brag about my son and show you a, a magazine. But she recorded a song that I'm going to play here in a minute for a tribute to a true champion. Before that, I want to tell you a little story. It's about Eric. Okay. About the history of this church, it's about Jeanette and Eric and their family and you, the history of this church. A little less than a year ago, in the middle of summer, I was doing a conference, and on the last day of the conference, I'm going to speak, and I'm getting ready to go, and the Lord says, I want you to wear a red Nike golf shirt and black dress slacks. So I appreciate that, God, because usually I get a fashion dress from Barbara or my daughter Elizabeth, whatever I wear. If you're helping me, I'll just say, God told me to wear this, and I don't care what they- it would, it would just look at me and say, Dad, go back and go turn around, go back in your room, go on back. I'm just interested. I want clean socks and underwear. I don't care about the wrinkles or even the matches. I used to be pretty fashion conscious, but I just don't have time for such things. So if God's going to help me get dressed, that's a, that's a nice thing. I appreciate that. That's, that's good. That's helpful. Okay. So I go there, and during worship, I'm in the back just having a blast. I am just 
That better be from God. Okay? <laughs> I'm just having a ball. And God speaks to me. He goes, this is what Tiger Woods wears on the final day of a golf tournament. This is what he wore last Sunday when he won the first tournament. You see, and that weekend was the weekend he played the tournament with the torn ACL and the broken tibia. I don't know. I, didn't, you know, I just saw the films later on. In other words, and God said, said to me, when he said, told me why I was to wear what I was supposed to wear, he says, I want you to finish well, and I want you to tell my people, I want them to finish well. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. What you do in this life will echo in eternity. And I want the best days of my earthly offering to God to be better than the last 40 years. We live in a serious time, but we have a powerful God. You cannot replace an Eric Van Buskirk. You can't replace him. I don't understand, but I'll tell you this. I don't understand how, I mean, I really never thought for a minute that he, it was his time to go be with the Lord. But it's, the pastoral love on this church is continuing Aaron, his family, Jeanette, and this team. And God wants you to finish well. I want you to, I want you to know something. Eric finished well. Yeah. If I ever knew a champion in the faith in my lifetime, it's Eric. We had a lot of fun. We, faced, we talked about hard stuff together. Never got crosswords that one time in over probably 30 years. Never had crosswords with him. Always had a personal encouragement to me, and I hope I was some help to you. But I'll tell you, if I ever knew a real man of God, it's Eric Van Buskirk. And I honor tonight a true champion of God who finished with a crown. Finished well. Watch listen to this song. This song is not only about Eric, because if you listen to it, if you listen, this is a song sung by, now I can call her my daughter-in-law. It's number 12. Don't play it yet until I tell you. It's about the Spirit of God continuing to shepherd this church and to lead this church. It does reflect about Eric, but it more reflects about what God wants you to do, to take up the banner of the Lord and finish what the purpose of this church is. There's a great harvest and there's a great maturity. There's a greater anointing. This church has a gift of faith, and I believe signs and wonders. I believe every manifestation, especially the love of God. And those three distinctives that Moses asked for, you have established in your life, and you will enter and receive all of the promises of God. Go ahead. I never could see You made me be more than I thought I could ever be And when I needed a friend You were always there to lift me up To make me strong You're not gone
This mystery is great, but it's about the spirit of God in this church. And Eric Van Buskirk carried the shepherd's heart, but he never possessed the church. He always said it was the Lord's church. He lived it. And just as it was time when Moses was gone, Joshua was released. Why you stand up? I want everybody in leadership to come forward. Jeanette, I love you so much. <laughs> I, I call her up just to see how she's doing, and she tells me what's going on. I tell you, Eric is having a, I mean, he is not having problems. <laughs> it's time for this church to fulfill every part of destiny. There is a good foundation. There's a strong foundation. God wants to release more power on you, you can play quietly that orchestrio thing, just quietly. Aaron, I want you to know, you're not a substitute. It's your day. You have your own mantle, your own anointing. You're not, you're not standing in a shadow. God's going to attract people here. 
You need to have a big vision. You guys need to have vision. If you got something from God, you need to share it as a team pulled together. This is a real place. You are distinctly different. You have the power of influence. You have the power of influence. I want all you guys just to join hands. And I want everybody that's part of this church to realize that you're in on something that some people never get to get in on. I wanted to come here and bring a crown. I'm going to send you a trophy. And I got, there's one of the songs that's on our CD that's called Chalice. It's about learning about, learning about our heart through trials and all that. I mean, you're going to get a special certificate. I'm giving it to certain people. Not many, just a few people. But there's a destiny that God wants you to fulfill. How many of you want to finish well? Amen. How many of you want to finish well? How many of you want America to finish well? Let's take it one city at a time. Father, I just speak the power of Holy Spirit influence into these lives right now. That they'd have a vision as church triumphant, as its name declares. It is an unstoppable church. You'd sooner hold back the Mississippi River than to hold back the power of the Spirit through this church. You will never give up. You will never give in. You will never have a loss of vision. But God is here. He's still here in your hearts. That song was about Eric, but it was more about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in this church, the hope of glory. For a pastor that's loved and popular to be suddenly taken, and it seemed suddenly to me, most churches just would freak out and not be able to adjust. But you're going to get better. And it'd be a tribute. What he started with in the beginning isn't what he wants to wind up with. He wants something better. This team, this woman, they gave birth to life. They suffered and lived, but they never, ever stopped praying and believing. I'll tell you, you need to start inviting people. You need to start touching people's lives. You need to start ministering the life of God. You've got the power of influence. You've got the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got the name of Jesus. Father, I speak a blessing right now on these people right now to lay hold of, to be set free from anything that would attempt to shut them down or limit them. Let the church triumphant triumph over all of the enemies of the kingdom. Let there be evangelism, discipleship, healings, miracles, solid marriages, solid children. Let them be distinctly different than all the people in Ross County, in Southern Ohio, in Central Ohio. Let them be known as a place that they are a light. They're a city set on a hill. Magnify the name of the Lord from this place. Lord, we ask you to pour out your spirit like you've never poured it out on any church before. We we need more of you now than we've ever had before. Thank you, Lord. I want you, listen, fasting is a great privilege. If it's time to fast and pray, do it together. Believe God for you. I'm telling you, I believe God will jump all over you.
bless these people. And we ask you to add, 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 multiply, multiply, increase, increase. Let the worship, let the praise, let the salvation, let the transformation just keep moving with a holy momentum until it's unstoppable, until it's irrefutable, until it can't be argued with. Let the love of God be paramount. Let the name of Jesus be the name that's named. Let the main minister in this house be known as the high priest and the apostle of our confession. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, you can sit down. Oh. Woo. My son, he thought his life was impossible. I mean, that day was the worst day of his life. He knew what he wanted to do, but there was no way that he could think, how could he ever do this? He was in debt. He was changing career again. It seemed absolutely impossible. But before this year is out, he will produce a major, I believe, a major Hollywood movie. And he's working with a spirit-filled prophetic screenwriter and a director. And I can't believe, and he just did this commercial that's going to be on national TV, and he not only filmed it, edited it, he wrote the music, and Natasha, his wife's sister, sings on it, and it's going to be a mind-blowing commercial about saving third world nations. That's what he wanted to do when he was 19, when he was in ministry school, but it's taken... Sometimes things, you get a vision, it takes a long time for it to mature. Moses was a long time. When things started happening, you're going to be busy. Mm -hmm. You want it right away, but you better, there's a time of preparation. I believe that time has come for us to start doing the yes. things that God has yes. said church triumph is supposed yes. to do. Yes. Have plans to invade the school. Set up coffee shops. Because this summer, say, we're going to have outreach after outreach. We're going to see people saved, families restored, people healed. Demons scattered out of town. They'd be afraid to get near here. I'm serious. I, this church is a city of refuge. It's a safe and a holy place. The Lord is a high tower and the righteous run to it. All of this stuff is good news. Okay, where's the music geniuses? Do we have any? Thank you so much for coming. Okay. A few more, can we have a few more minutes? I just I want to, we have a few more minutes. I know the children are probably beating up the parents. I don't know what's going on. I want you to know, first of all, that was really hard for me to do that. That was really hard. And I wasn't trying, they wasn't trying to pull an emotional deal. That was a tribute not only to Eric and Jeanette and, and, and the history of this church, the tribute to God. Who is the chief shepherd in this church? Aaron is not a substitute. It's his time. It was Joshua's time to lead God's people, to finish what God started. You're going to finish well. You get yourself a red Nike shirt and some black pants, and you wear them once in a while. Okay? Whether you ever care about golf or nothing, nothing to do with golf, okay? There's everything with being a champion. And this last weekend was the first one that Tiger won since the last one when he hurt his knee. So I'm here doing this for the first time since he won. I believe it's a prophetic statement. 
He came back on the 18th hole and made an impossible putt. Again. <laughs> My son's life was impossible. When we gave him that prophetic word, it gave him hope. Yep. Yep. It gave him something to work on. And it, he, it was, Barbara, what's he going to do? What's Matt going to do? What's Matt going to do? And his brothers, what's Matt going to do? He's going to follow God. Yes, 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 yes. And somehow it works. It doesn't work that way in the world. You've got to step on people, climb ladders. You know, the way up in God is down on your knees. Yep, that's right. Bowing down in worship. If you humble yourself before God, he exalts you. Yes. Yes. My son was pretty humble that day that he got that prophecy. He was lower than a snake's basement. <laughs> he found a crawl space underneath that. He was feeling pretty bad, pretty pretty pitiful about himself, but that gave him hope. And you know what's happened? He got married, and he's making films. It's, st it's stupid. I've been doing all the hard work. He's surfing in my wake. <laughs> I've been, Barbara and I have been working hard for 40 years, and the kids are just cruising. Hey, this is fun. This is great. Now, I want my kids to go beyond me. Yes, I want them to yes, do sir. better than me. Yes, sir. But I'm not done yet. Yes, sir. I am still... Yes pursuing my destiny, yes. and I'm going to finish well by yes. the grace of God, not by the strength of Mickey. Right. That is a dud. Yep. But by the grace and the power of God. If you feel you are stuck, but you haven't made spiritual progress, I want to tell you right now, tonight is your night to believe in God. If you feel like you just need the breath of God, I want to pray for you. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, just stand up. I want somebody who's near them, just lay their hand on them. See, because we're in this together. If there's somebody standing, somebody just lay their hand on them. See, there's power. We have the power to release blessing. Paul said, I can't wait to get up there because I'm going to empower a spirit. He didn't say I might. He says, I know what happens when God sends me somewhere. And that my faith is going to increase too. Make sure everybody has got their hand on somebody who's standing. Father, in Jesus' name, we just release blessing right now of a renewal of vision. We pray right now they are not stuck, but they are going to walk with you in your power. We ask you to release them from feeling stationary, from feeling weighted down, to being released, to be part of the fulfillment of the prophetic destiny of this church to walk in victory, and to walk in strength. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus, who is still here, still in our hearts. You close your eyes, you're going to see something. You're going to see him. Saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest for your souls.